and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Justin. Happy New Year to everybody out there uh, listening. Hope everybody's doing well. You hear those fireworks, Kirby? You will after I edit those in, um, you will hear them. Impressive uh, production work there, Justin. Thank you. Thank you. Really good. Good stuff. I, uh, any sound effect that I've paid some money for or even bothered to download, I'm going to use as often as humanly possible. I can, I can tell that year three is going to be a, another big step forward for the podcast. Yeah, I got to say that um, so many of the things that we wanted to improve on the infrastructure of our podcast uh, during the break uh, has not occurred. All the all the dreams and aspirations we had uh, uh, gone by the way of, uh, I don't know what, but just uh, life. 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 It's that time of year, right? We got IndyCar testing. Uh, let's date stamp this. It's Sunday uh, evening, January, January 9th. 9th. I think the testing starts uh, for some of the Indy cars tomorrow. I, I think just a couple of teams, if uh, memory serves. It's not like teams to put out a bunch of press and announcements uh, during the Christmas period, I guess, um, because, you know, it might get lost uh, and ignored. You know, forgive me, audience, and forgive me, Kirby, if uh, if we wander off some of the Indy car path on this uh, particular podcast. Well, that'd be quite a... A change of pace here on the IndyCar podcast, would it? Well, I like to think we we you know look at these outside subjects through the lens of IndyCar, but I'm even struggling to justify that. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me start with uh, Pato Award IndyCar driver Curb. Yeah. Commenting on his uh, driving a Formula One car experience, and I quote. This is the best experience I've ever had in a race car in my life. I don't think anything has come close in to it in terms of driving, in terms of feeling what it's capable of, and the feeling its limits. Nothing comes close. The feeling, for example, an IndyCar gives you is crazy. But when you get into this, and just the way it's able to do everything so fast and so compressed, it's like a video game. It's unreal, unquote. Now, Kurt, my question is, is this the type of thing you want a top IndyCar driver saying about another series? Uh, I don't think it's ideal. Do you? Uh, I think add that to his uh, glowing comments about the uh, the Coda F1 race. Pat O'Ward might not be the first person you tried out there to, uh, to, to talk up the IndyCar series here this year. I struggle with it a little bit. And I, look – I understand what he's saying, and I get it, and I get he was enthusiastic and so forth. But to the casual race fan, which, let's face it, that's what IndyCar needs to attract more of, right? And that's what Formula One has done an unbelievable job of doing. Uh, You know, they're going to hear that. They're going to read that if they do or hear or read that at all. But they're going to see that and say, oh, well, you know. Formula One's the thing to watch. That's the fastest, the coolest, the better. I mean, they, they won't know anything about how the, the you know, up until maybe this year, uh, the competition hasn't been great. And, like, if you don't have any money, you don't have a chance and all these kind of things. They might not know any of that, but they'll just know that it's the coolest, the fastest, and the best. Right. Well, and then, you know, a couple of weeks later, I think uh, there's an article on Racer.com that, uh, you know, Zach Brown's considering putting him in, uh, I guess, FP1 practices next year in Formula One. A rule now, you have to use a rookie for at least two races. And he says, you know, 
uh, will be F1 will be in the States and in Mexico after the IndyCar season's over. And he's looking to, to the next step for Pato to be to, to run those FP1 sessions. And that will um, also get you super license points. I think he might have enough already, actually. Uh, maybe he was short the last time he went to when he went over to Europe as part of the Red Bull program. I think it was, um, you know, look, you and I told Curtin, told Colton Herta, our opinion was that he should go if he got the chance. And I guess I'd say the same thing to Pato. But right now, I'm not sure that uh, he's your poster child for IndyCar. No. I mean, uh, all these things. And like you said, I don't blame him. This is not uh, this is not a slam on a war at all. It's like it always gives the impression the guy's got one foot out the door. Right. And when he came back, he kind of acted like, you know, I tried that it's much, much more fun over here. And uh, I'm going to make commit to this. But now that commitment seems to be uh, on a shaky ground, it seems like. Well, Rossi, on the other hand, his feet are both firmly in the IndyCar camp at this point, Kurt. Well, that's true. <laughs> Uh, Nobody seems to be worrying about him going back to Formula One anytime soon. I get to say a couple of things, but I don't really want to extend the subject any longer. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I want to mention something to you. I went on to my F1.com account to cancel it because, A, I never use it, and, B, you know, there's no races going on at the moment. Right. And I got to just tell you, Curb, it was like the easiest thing in the world. Press a button, cancel your account, boom, done. So easy. I I sat there and I thought if I did the same thing with like an IndyCar.com thing, would, would they make it that easy or would they make you go through several steps to do it? Are you saying that they'd be doing that on purpose, maliciously? Yes, or of course. Just yeah, incompet- I, incompetence? I, I mean, I'm sure you've had the experience, Curb, that you know when you sign up for some of these things like – they like I've had a couple that make you call them to cancel it. The, and you know who's one of those? The Indianapolis Star. <laughs> you, you have to call them to cancel your account, your uh, online account. I, I, I uh, this summer, uh, you will have no idea of this, but the, the Cincinnati Reds were hot for a while over the summer. And I got excited and took my wife to a Reds game to buy two tickets to a Reds game. I had to join MLB.com and get an account with MLB.com in order to buy the tickets. And since I was buying Reds tickets, that somehow got me onto Reds.com. And thereafter, I'd get an email or two from Reds.com every day. Yeah. So I clicked on unsubscribe every day for like two weeks. <laughs> they would never stop sending me the emails. No matter how many times I hit unsubscribe. Plenty of examples like that out there for sure. It seems like a minute and not important thing, but I just I, it, to me it always speaks to the quality of an organization. Well, that or European uh, privacy laws, one or the other. <laughs> Possibly, you could be right there. But look, uh, again, to me, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my original, which is like it just kind of shows kind of the general quality of an organization, um, as opposed to the Indianapolis Star, that rag of a uh, you know I think I won't even call it a newspaper that rag. Uh, wow, what a what a piece of garbage they are. <laughs> Curb NASCAR uh, appears that it's denied the Let's Go Brandon Coin sponsorship of uh, of Brown. Uh, what's his uh, Brandon Brown? Brandon. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say what's his first name? How could I forget uh, that'd that? Be Brandon. Yeah, yeah, that'd be Brandon. A uh, Brandon Brown. 
interesting. I mean, they they kind of did it in a way where they didn't really talk about it. They just said no. It's uh, it's probably a little bit of a tight rope for that uh, company, wouldn't you say? Oh, for NASCAR itself. Yes. Well, what, what was interesting was that uh, I think Brown's team claimed that he got approved, right? They had the letter approving the the, the sponsorship and the design on the car or whatever. And uh, and then when the news came out, all of a sudden somebody else at NASCAR must have said, wait a second, that whoever approved that probably should have done that. So, But yeah, that guy, Brandon Brown, has got a challenge on his hands to, to uh, just go drive and not be followed around by controversy for a while. In one of the articles I was reading, they were like trying to make like Kelly Stavis to be like some type of victim of all this too. Look, I don't have a terrible amount of sympathy for her. I think, you know, she kind of brought that one upon herself. You know, there's other ways to handle that without being so blatantly uh, disingenuous. How's that? Well, has it been determined whether she did it on purpose or whether she misunderstood what they were saying? <laughs> I, e- either way, it's a crime to me. Okay. <laughs> all right. Way. Okay. Um, that's probably all that is worth talking about with that. Curb, uh, we lost one uh, in the last few days. I know there's been a lot of nice things said, but uh, Kelvin Kalkoven, and, and I didn't read, and all the tributes and so forth, nobody really said what I would say about Kevin Kalkoven, and that is, I think Kevin Kalkoven, along with Jerry Forsythe, saved IndyCar. I think they're the real savior of IndyCar. Whatever play, whatever way you want to plot that m- map, right? Like, uh, one is, like, uh, you know, Cart wins the war, uh, or the other is IRL won the war, or there was no war and everybody went to the IRL. I think any of those scenarios, without Kevin Kalkovin and Jerry Forsyth saving Cart and therefore, you know, putting up a challenge and kind of making Telly George do things he didn't want to do, how right. that, and and kind of leading any car in a way that you know Tony George really clearly didn't have a vision for. That's the only reason that we're watching IndyCar racing today. I I honestly believe that. I'm not so sure we wouldn't just be watching a bunch of dirt trackers and some crappy, you know, like Indy light type cars going around uh, now, if it wasn't for, for Kevin Kalkoven. And like I said, I, I got through Jerry Forsyth in there with him. Yeah. Full disclosure. I was a, a cart partisan over those years. And, um, uh, but you know, I, I think as far as the overall sport of IndyCar goes, their greatest contribution might've been, uh, forcing Tony George to continue to spend the family money to the point where, the family got fed up with it and fired him. If Cart and Champ Car would have succumbed many years earlier, maybe that wouldn't have happened, and maybe we would have been stuck with mediocre management for for even longer than we had. IndyCar would be around. The Indy 500 would be around. It would have been a certainly a healthier Indy 500 event. The sooner Champ Car would have you know merged or joined the IRL program. I don't know if I can go along with you on that as much as I would love to give Cal Coven and Forsyth credit for, for doing good things for IndyCar. Um, I'm just not sure they accomplished a whole lot to keeping it alive. I couldn't, wow. I couldn't disagree more. I just think that, uh, that's the only reason we, we have it today. I mean, Tony George left to his own devices, um, which let's face it. If, if those guys hadn't put up the fight, like they did, uh, was a, it was a train wreck. That was a, sh- that was a sinking ship. And it, you're, you're right. It would have been, 
what you said at first is correct. I mean, these guys got Tony George fired, and and I'm not so sure that would have been happening without these guys' opposition. I mean, God only knows what we'd be watching right now. It'd be like a version of USAC out there, Kerb. I, I you know, I, I got to give this guy posthumously a lot more credit than I think people are giving him for that. Well, I'm a fan, and I'm glad that he um, stuck with the sport for a number of years after the merger. Uh, even maybe Champ Carr and Forsyth and Cal Coven deserve some credit for this, but the IRL was already morphing away from an all-oval series to include you know, street and road courses long before the merger happened. Well, but I think they did that because Cart was having success with those races. Well, they also did it because they were not having any success in ovals. Well, I mean, there, there was – couldn't make the numbers add up, and they had to go find other ways to to add races and, and try to be more relevant. All right. Well, I think we'll just end it with I'm giving Kevin Kalkoven a bit more credit than you are, but we both like the guy. Oh, yeah. I'm all, I'm all for him. I was certainly uh, disappointed to hear about his passing. And uh, as we've had to say far too often in the last year, uh, our, our best wishes go out to his family and friends. You know, he died of curb. It was, I mean, his short illness was just what's been reported. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I saw. Kerb, uh, anything else? Uh, we're we're running up on time here. Anything else you want to blurt out? <laughs> I think it might have come out right after our last show, but Jimmy Johnson's going to run the full series this year. Any thoughts on that? I guess I kind of expected that to be the case. The more interesting aspect to me is like what kind of what happens to Kanan and his rights. I don't know. I mean, I, again, I, the Jimmy Johnson thing has me. I see the total positives of it, and I get it. I understand that he's doing it kind of for himself, and I get that too. And I really want him to do well. But I guess the question I have is when he has a slightly better season this year, where to from there? I guess my angle on this is the – what he does in the rest of the season is probably only important to him and his friends. They're still going to be in the mid to late teens in terms of the, the standings, right? I think the whole season uh, from a public perception standpoint boils down to the 500, whether he can have more success there than he's had, uh, you know, on the road and street courses. Yeah. And, I, I um, think that's, uh, I think you, you, you nailed it and won there curb. hundred um, percent. It's, it's all about his performance at the 500. And if he's, somewhat competitive which he let's face it he has a chance to be yeah um then yeah that that will be the story so to that end i think running the whole season helps him because it's just more and more experience getting to run texas before the 500 i think is a big deal he's got plenty of time at the 500 uh, at the week of practice get comfortable driving around the track by himself um and in controlled um circumstances but but uh, i think being able to run the race at texas will help him acclimate to the race at the 500. That's my opinion. And um, before he had made that announcement, I'd been listening to a podcast with a couple guys debating whether it even mattered, whether he ran the whole series or he just ran the 500. That was the only thing that was important. And they, they seem to agree that running the race at Texas before the 500 wouldn't really be beneficial to him. Wouldn't matter. Wasn't important whether he ran that. And, uh, and I, I guess I've already given you my opinion, but I was curious of yours. Well, I think you're 100% right about the significance of the 500 and, and this season with him. There's not a lot of similarities between Texas and, and Indy. Uh, I don't even want to talk about 
that goop they're putting on the track <laughs> in Texas, right? I don't even want to get into that. But right. you know, even with, with that stuff down there, I mean, you know, is, is it really going to help? I don't – yeah, of course. Any, time, any experience in anything helps. It's like I told my son ski jumping. It's like you just got to just do a bunch, you know. There's no substitute for just doing a bunch of jumps. Sure. Doing a start on an oval. It's the second, you know, longest oval that they run on during the season. It's the closest thing he's going to get to uh, experiencing something like the 500, but having, you know, 25 cars around you going 200 miles an hour on an oval, uh, it's just got to help you get more comfortable, I would think. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you, Curb. I think you're 100% right. Okay, uh, my last one then is, did you see an article last uh, few days about uh, uh, salaries for professional drivers? Yes, I did. And yes, I I, I did kind of hurriedly went through it i found it uh shocking uh what they said about any 500 um or indie car driver salaries and this is supposedly from the mouths of one of the team owners according to this guy the journeyman indie car driver makes 800,000 to a million bucks a year top there are about eight drivers who make over two million dollars a year and maybe one or two of those are over three million dollars a year i find that hard to believe which part of that do you find hard to believe well i find all of it hard to believe i can i find it hard to believe there's eight drivers over two million dollars all right well let's uh let's let's i i hate to spend the time to do this but let's do it there right. we go scott dixon uh, let's just take this guy at his word there's two at three million dollars there's two that are standouts so call them three million dollar drivers dixon's the obvious who's your second uh willpower I went with New Garden or New Garden, either or. I, 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 I I'm gonna put the two and the three million guys together. I don't really care about like you know who makes two point five and who makes three point one. All right, okay. six more, six more in the uh, two million plus range. Okay, let's see if we can come up with them. Okay, so we got New Garden, Dixon, Power. Okay, there's three. Right. How how many do we? Oh, that's five more, right? Five more. Okay, Rossi. Yeah. I made a list based on last year, so I had Pagano next. Pagano. Here we go. How are we down to four? Three. Three. We've got three to go. Okay. Who's your next guy? Okay, I'm saying Hurt is one of them because I think he signed a new deal last year with that new sponsor. Okay. Buy that. Uh, I got Ray Hall because it's a family company, and if anybody's getting paid, he's getting paid. Um, I don't mind that idea either. Um. So we're down to one. Okay. Uh, how about Palau? Palau. Yeah. By the way, that's the proper pronunciation of his name. Palau. 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 I knew it. Now I've forgotten that already. Palau or Palau? Palau. Palau. Okay. Um, well, I'm saying going into last season, he was not a $2 million driver. He, he probably should be now, but, but going into last season, he would not have been. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Um, but he probably is now. Um, Ryan Hunter Ray is in there. He doesn't drive for free. That's what I had. Although I think he had a, he might have got downgraded last year. But that's my eight, including Hunter Ray, There's Dixon, yeah. Newgarden, and, I, and I, you know. So uh, then, you know, like then I'm going to put in the journeyman category, um, which that's the the number that I kind of find a little bit surprising if if we're going to call it surprising. But I find them all surprising. But but I'm going to say uh, journeyman is you got a Sebastian Bourdais in there, right? 
Yeah. A Jack Harvey. Um, yeah, I I didn't have him in there. Well, I I you know so that's where I that's where I think those that's where we're referring to those Sato. Sato. Yeah. So I think those guys, and that's a realistic number for them. I think you think journeyman, but you realize that you're kind of still talking about like a Sebastian Bourdais. Right? I mean, I, I got Sato, uh, Bourdais, got McLaughlin, uh, Palau, Oward, Grosjean, Rosenquist, and Erickson. Yeah. That's my that's my journeyman group. Okay. And then the uh, so-called rookie group that would be around 300 grand is. I had Harvey, VK, Daly, Hinch, and Ed Jones. No, I think Harvey probably makes more than that. I'm sure he, let's put it this way, last year, I don't think he was making more than that. Mm, I bet he was. Maybe we should ask him. But I I find it, I find those numbers hard to believe in general. Um, All of it, from from the journeyman to eight guys making two million or more. Um, You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Dixon's making three million, but other than that, I find that all to be awful rich. I don't know. I don't. And I and I think now that we've got – I mean, maybe I originally would have, like, you know, just off the cuff would have agreed you. But now we've put names to the to the salaries. I, I'm, I don't think so. Mm. Well, then, uh, then all those owners pleading poverty and needing people to bring money uh, are, are pulling your leg. Yeah, but Curb, come on. How long have you been doing this? I mean, of course they are. They always claim they always claim poor. They always poor mouth everything. You got guys in Formula One with 150 dollar, 150 million dollar budgets poor mouthing. Right. It's it's, uh, it's the nature of the beast. It's what okay, they do. but if but if a if a full season program is six million dollars roughly per car, and that's not a Penske or Ganassi, but most of the rest of them, and some of these guys are making two million out of that six million. I think that's the gray area too. Right, <clears throat> and then and then we could talk about like personal endorsements, how much is Honda paying to that salary, all these all things. Those, sure, um, yeah, all those things too. But uh, this is supposedly salaries, and so that's what I was going off of. And yeah, well, I think it's I think it's a bit uh, optimistic the numbers. As much as I hate to give certain people credit, I think it's probably about right. All right. A lot of uh, a lot of disagreeing today on today's podcast, Curb. Not huge disagreements, but just uh, degrees of separation. Let's put it that way. Uh, let's see a, a Twitter rumor that uh, Ed Carpenter has nailed down his uh, his driver for the year. Uh, supposedly will make IndyCar fans happy. So who would you suggest that might be? Uh, it has to suggest Ryan Hunter Ray. I mean, it couldn't be. You couldn't say like. Hiring one of the Euro F2 guys would make like IndyCar. I mean, how you how could you put that out there? Well, would it make IndyCar fans happy if Daly came back? Yeah, that's true. That'd be another one. That one speaks to me, Ryan Hunter Ray. I just think Daly's gone. I mean, I can't imagine Ed even wanting Daly back after last year. It was it just wasn't good enough. I'm with you. My money's on Hunter Ray. Let's end on agreement, Curb, shall we? There we go. Twitter, for God's sake, follow us at Hero. H-I-R-O IndyCar. At Hero IndyCar. At Hero IndyCar. Okay. All right. Well, here we go on season three. Hard to believe. Let's see. Uh, Daytona 24 is next, right? Yeah. There'll be a lot. There'll be some IndyCar guys in there, so we might have, actually have some that plus testing. Stay tuned. We might have something to talk about. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. Bye.